Welcome to Light on the Road Home, a show about divine love, divine wisdom, and our soul's journey here on Earth. And now, our hosts, Phyllis Levitt and Deborah Brown. Well, hello, hello, and I am Deborah Brown, and we have been on hiatus for a while. I'm so happy to be back with you, Phyllis. Are you happy to be back, too? I am so happy and so grateful, and I just always thank you so much for having me on this show. Well, it's your show, too, so absolutely. And I would like to, as for the reason that I just been, uh, mentioned that we've been on hiatus, I'm going to actually reintroduce you in case people are tuning in for the first time, and that way we're off and running. So I okay. will read your your introduction, and then uh, start our show. So um, Phyllis Levitt is a psychotherapist whose personal healing journey brought her unexpectedly into direct communication with a divine voice that literally burst open her understanding of psychology to reveal soul's intention and soul's guidance at the darkest time of her life. This divine presence proceeded to share with Phyllis a path of personal transformation that will open up your heart and your mind to the vital link between your individual journey and the survival of the entire human race. Phyllis recounts this divine communication in the Road Home series, which is a series of books, and in this show with me. So, wow, that sounds like something to unpack. <laughs> Lots of stuff in there. Just, just reading your bio makes me interested and excited. Um, so, how about if we talk about how and when your intimate journey of communication with the divine began? What did that look like? When did it start? Well, in the form that it is now that I'm sharing it in the books, it started in the very end of 1994. Um, I was, and I, I, I just sort of want to preface this by saying, I am and was no one special. I was a single mother of three children. I was in the process at that time of going through a very difficult divorce. I had tremendous anxiety and I'm just having a very, very difficult time in life in general. And I was working with someone at that time on child abuse in my own childhood And it was just a very, very, very dark and difficult time in my life. And um, I had always been a writer and did a lot of journaling. And at that time, I was keeping a journal. And my hope was that as a psychotherapist and approaching my own healing from fundamentally a psychological point of view, my hope was that someday I would be able to use my journal to sort of chart my psychological healing journey and maybe share that with others. Um, So that was why I was keeping a journal at that time. And I wrote in it a lot. And um, I was working with someone, as I said, on um, memories from childhood and this life. And at the very end of 1994, I was in a session and in the midst of very painful feelings when Out of the blue, totally suddenly, um, I felt and saw, actually, inside myself, a golden light in my forehead, and it began to pulsate, 
and it got brighter and brighter and brighter. And, and it had a very specific vibrating pulsation to it that the only way I can describe, because it really is such an unordinary experience, not really definable by ordinary words, it just felt incredibly loving and illuminating and uplifting. And it became stronger and stronger, and it filled my whole body with this golden light and this golden vibration. And then, and then it felt like it was also outside my body and rippling down my body in waves of divine love. And I heard a very distinct voice, and the voice said, this is God, and this is how you know God. And the basic message that I heard from the, the voice that day was to surrender everything. I didn't really know what that meant, but those were the words. And the final part of the message was, it will not always look golden like this moment. You will carve this path out of the dirt and stones of your real life, but always remember surrender. And that was that miraculous experience. And actually, I kind of forgot about it after that. And I went back down into that dark place and kept on journaling. Um, I would wake up in the night with panic attacks. I was, had a really hard time leaving my house. And I reached a place early in 1995, I believe. I think I've got the years right. Um, I, I, early in that year, as I was journaling one day, and I just basically said in my journal, I give up. I have done everything I know how to do, and I'm not getting better. And all the psychological work that I'm doing, which I believe in and have done with other people and seems to help other people, is not working for me. And it was kind of like, I give up God. I don't know what to do. And at that moment, um, I heard that voice again. And it began speaking to me as I wrote in my journal. And, um, and the basic message from the very beginning was um, that there is a divine meaning and purpose to all human suffering, to my suffering to all our suffering, to all of what we perceive to be as darkness, and that it's knowable. And essentially, this divine presence came to share with me not only what the divine meaning and purpose was, um, but how to participate in transforming human pain, suffering, darkness, isolation, the things that you, that you mentioned, how to actually use the energy inherent in all human experience, positive and negative, to awaken a soul consciousness within ourselves so that we can participate in the awakening for the entire human race, and as they spoke about it, also the planet. And that's how the journey began. And after that, all I had to do was sit down with my journal and ask a question and inevitably, this voice would reappear and answer me personally um, about my own personal journey. But all of the answers were directed at the human race, not at me personally. So that's how the journey began. <laughs> and I wrote for so, many years, and I still do. Right, right. And so you are faithfully describing for for the readers of the world who read your books 
what yes. you said in your journal, what was yes. going on in your life at the time, and also yes. what divine voice was saying, speaking through Absolutely. your writing. Yes. Yeah. And so it's, your it's book, my personal journey. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. That's okay. So I was going to say, so your books, which are the Road Home series, of which right now there is A Light in the Darkness, which is book one, and Into the Fire, which is the new one, which is book two. And they are set up the same way in that a person can tell which voice, you know, the writing is uh, representing, correct? So that's how you've set it up? Right. So you can tell by reading the book and the way it's been set up, which is my present-day voice, which is the journaling that I did back in the mid-'90s, and what specifically were the messages from the divine. And that's very clear and, in the way the books are set up. Mm-hmm. Right. And then so the, the sole purpose, and I mean soul as in S-O-U-L, of the book mm-hmm. is to underscore that suffering is not only universal, but it has a purpose. And that it's not just God messing with us. It's, it's more than that. It's like... It, it has, in other words, we all have a part to play right? in how things are turning out, right? Yes, and I think there are probably several points attached to what you said, and the ones that come to my mm-hmm. mind are that, that, for one thing, that suffering is not punishment for evil doing. Um, it is a condition of ego consciousness that there's light and there's dark, there's happiness and there's sadness, there's pain and there's pleasure, there's love and there's hate, there's war and there's peace. And I could go on and on with all the dualities. And that is, those are conditions of ego consciousness. And as long as we're in ego consciousness, we will experience the swing back and forth between the two halves of all the given dualities. So Um, suffering is not punishment for evil and it's not something that we have to repay by so-called becoming good. Um, So that's one thing. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so the other side of that, the other side of ego consciousness, or, or at least what we're talking about is soul consciousness, right? Right. Right. Which is God consciousness or consciousness of the divine in us, which is, of course, I can only speak from the limitations of my own experience so far, but my understanding is that that, that God consciousness is all and everything, all love, all wisdom, all light, all power, all compassion, all mercy, all joy, all, all everything, but as one state of being, not as separate, not as separate, um, no divided energy. But basically, it's divine love you know, however we conceive of that. At least that's the way it's been spoken to me and that our purpose here on earth as human beings is ultimately to cultivate that soul consciousness in ourselves so that to whatever extent and in whatever form our souls chose that we can manifest some aspect of divine love while we're in human bodies. Um, um, can I say one more thing about the soul uh-huh. purpose yes. of the writing? Mm-hmm. I just I want to say yes. this because it's such a big part of 
of the writing that I received, and it recurs in many different forms throughout the writing. But part of and a big part of the sole purpose of why this divine voice spoke to me was because what they're saying is that the extremes of the dualities that ego consciousness lawfully lives in, um, but the extremes to which those dualities are manifesting on earth today in the human race. And by extremes, I mean the extreme of what we see happening as a battle between different beliefs in good and evil and the domination and suppression or the domination and submission that is being forcefully imposed as a way to impose our different beliefs about good and evil or right or wrong. Um, The level of domination and submission that we're capable of imposing on each other and on the earth itself has the potential to wipe us all out. Um, And it's a very real potential. It's the, the weapons of mass destruction that we have created and the chemicals that we're putting into the earth and the things that we're doing to our earth habitat that is our home and keeps us alive, feeds us, um, that our ability to dominate as wonderful as some of our creative technological talents um, have been has the capacity to destroy not only the human race, but much of life as we know it. And so the call to leave duality and leave ego consciousness and live in a a, a divine consciousness or a soul consciousness within ourselves as human beings and as a race is urgent in terms of our own survival. And that's kind of the looming background behind all the messages. So everything we do and strive to do, I strive to do to um, experience divine love for myself and share that in whatever way my soul calls me to do that and whatever way your soul calls you to do that, which might be very different. And I'm saying you as you, Deborah, and you as you, anyone, um, whatever I can do to participate in lighting up a consciousness of the divine in myself is my best contribution to helping life on earth survive. So, so that's a big picture. It is a big picture. And so what that tells me is I, one of the questions I had for you is the, uh, the reference in the book trailer or into the fire. Um, yeah. There's, there's a slide in there and, and some, words about, you know, Mother Earth is calling us urgently to all come home together. Is this part of that same urgent call um, about the extremes of duality, about cultivating divine love while in human body, about choosing God consciousness over ego consciousness? Is that, is that the urgency? Um, that's definitely something that's very stressed in my writing, yes. Um, would it be okay if I share uh, with you the baptism experience that I had as a kind of an opening to answer oh, yeah. that question? Sure, sure. So not very long into uh, after the writing began for me, one day I was writing in my journal and I was told to go out in nature 
and I was told that, um, sorry, my phone is beeping here. Um, I was told that the earth had, that the earth wanted to speak to me. And so I found a little spot that was, um, I found a little spot that was by a little stream not far from Santa Fe, and I sat down with my journal, and I was immediately told to go stand in the water, and I did. And immediately, again, I heard a message from the earth, and the earth said, this is this kind of the essence of the message, I am crying for the pain done to my body as you have cried for the pain done to yours. We are all one being in one body. And I'm calling my brother and sister human beings to return to me. Um, And so the essence of that experience, there was more said, and it's all written down in book one, A Light in the Darkness. But the essence of that experience was that I was told that that was my baptism. And um, and for those of you who don't know, I was brought up Jewish, so baptism had almost no meaning to me at all. Um, and I was told that what baptism is, from their point of view, of stepping into the earth's water, is stepping into a return to a consciousness of our oneness with the earth. And that that what that kind of means um, is, well, let me say it this way. What, they, what the earth said is we all return together. It's not like I'm on a solo journey back to God and I just, you know, take my little flying leap to nirvana and, you know, you guys, see ya, hope for the best for ya. It's not like that. It's that we really do all return together, that the earth, the earth itself is a being with a body that we see and can touch and know, but it is also a being with a spirit and a soul. It's also finite like human beings are and most life forms here, or maybe all. Um, And that the earth has a soul and it's on its own evolutionary path. And that all life and all formations on the earth are part of the earth body and that we are part of the earth return process. It's not a solo journey that I make. And that baptism is a symbol for stepping into the awareness of, um, the, of, the, of the understanding that we all return together. And whatever I am able to enlight, light up in my own being or transform in my own being, whatever I'm able to do in that regard is my service to humanity and to the earth. Um, it's not service to myself in that way. And that, that that's kind of what an baptism is about. It's initiation into this consciousness that, that we're all here for the highest good of all of us. And that that's where our spiritual evolution takes us as one level of initiation, I would say. So with that understanding, the concept of deliberate pollution, strip mining, fracking, tearing up the Amazon rainforest, destroying the water table some places, 
all of those things are not just the physical earth, you know, as a thing, but it is what you were just saying, which is makes it very hurtful to think that that is a body, a spirit, a being, the earth. And that when those yeah. things are happening, um, it would be the same as if you were doing it to a child standing in front of you. That's right. That's right. And it's That's so horrifying. fascinating That's to horrifying. me because the scientific evidence seems to completely back that up. Um, absolutely. It's, an, it's the rape of the earth, just like it's a rape of a human being. Well, that's just terrible. <laughs> I mean, that's just terrible. So the, you know, I just mentioned just in terms of environmental issues, um, you've already mentioned the extreme duality of domination and suppression or oppression, um, good and evil. So, I mean, there's, people are aware of a lot of turmoil and a lot of angst Everywhere, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not just the United States, but everywhere. I mean, there's things right. in the news all the time that drive you crazy. So right. I would say, having read your book, that there is, uh, books, um, there is an opportunity for some relief because part of the books that I really like, um, for example, are when the, when the clouds speak, when the plant world speaks, um, you were just talking about your baptism and when the earth speaks it's just an amazing um, freedom and and you refer to the white magic that will save the planet you know it's like hope and peace of mind things that the mm-hmm. um, that the divine was saying so how about if you talk about that you know because I know that I would say that there are a lot of prescriptions for that hopeful lens, you know, how, how to see the things that would, that we would qualify as evil and horrible. And yet, right. There's a perp, there's a purpose to it. Right. Well, I would start by saying that um, in the writing that I did, and this went over a couple of years, very intensively where this divine voice really outlined um, the laws that govern our ego consciousness. In other words, how ego consciousness operates. And they kind of took it apart. And um, there's chapter after chapter in my books that describe different aspects of ego consciousness. And the purpose of that is so that we understand, kind of like, um, you know, when the first um, people opened up the human body and they got a look at how the organs were placed and how they functioned together and the skeletal structure that held it in place and the muscles that held it in place and basically how it all worked together to create health or illness in a human body. And basically what this divine voice is doing that is doing the same thing, opening up our ego consciousness and taking it apart and showing us all the structures that it's built on so that we understand deeply how we work when we're in ego consciousness and how we can use that knowledge and that wisdom to kind of, if you want to say it this way, put the pieces back together um, on the road home to what they call oneness, our union with God, our 
putting all the separate pieces back together um, to form that some mirror image of the in service of that, um, two of the things that I can talk about that that are that are both illuminate how ego consciousness keeps us in this sort of wheel of suffering and what we can work with to begin to undo that and transform that. Um, the first one I would say is um, they talk a lot about different dualities, but one of the ones that they stress is the duality of male-female, masculine and feminine, the great masculine-feminine divide. And um, and this there's to this in great detail at the very end of book one just for anyone who is interested but what they say is that the greatest challenge that was given to the human race was to be manifested as two separate bodies male and female and i referred to some of this a little earlier um so it's it's the basic division of active and receptive energies certainly we all have some of both but the female body is kind of the physical representation of the receptive and the masculine body is the physical representation of the active. And again, we all have both, but um, the great divide between men and women itself as um, which has manifested across the earth, not in every culture and not in every age, but as male domination of the, of the feminine and aggressive domination of the receptive, what they say is that that and, and how that evolves into the extremes of domination and submission and suppression that go beyond the, the male-female relationship to um, the domination of the poor by the rich, the domination of certain religions over who they believe are the heathens, um, man's technological domination over the earth, um, political domination, um, cultural domination, that that principle of domination and submission, as I referred to before, will, if left unchecked, bring us to extinction um, with the weapons that we have now created to enact domination. So what they're saying that's hopeful in that is that the road out of that um, dilemma is the honoring of the masculine and the feminine as equals, not only as equals, but as needed to come back together, just as um, new life is created in human beings and many, many, many life forms by the male uniting with the female, um, that new life, our soul life, will occur with the reunion of the masculine and feminine, the active and the receptive energies, both between men and women and within ourselves, finding that balance of the masculine and feminine in ourselves. And that will actually be the key to the end of domination and submission and suppression. Um, do you want to say something about that before I go, go on to the second thing? Well, I was just, I yeah, thank you. I was, yeah, thank you. I was just thinking, you know, you can't have, you can't have the, the yin and yang symbol with one of them missing. In other mm-hmm. words, it's not that symbol anymore. So right. if you think about it, you really can't have a person, a whole functioning, self-actualized, 
divinely inspired, loving human being that does not have both the masculine and feminine, if you think about it. And you can't have joy if you've never known sorrow, you can't really know what joy is, right? So, I mean, I I totally Mm -hmm. get this and the reunion of it and why it is so important to embrace that. Yeah. Just just using the yin and yang symbol as one one good graphic for me, you know, you take away one side of it and now it's just a, now it's just a, a curvy, you know, teardrop shape. There's nothing. There's nothing mm-hmm. to it. It's not. It's not mm-hmm. the thing. So, just how my brain works sometimes. Just <laughs> added a little picture well, to it. Well, you know, just just to say quickly in terms of that symbol, you know, the two, the yin and the yang together make a circle. And yeah, uh, I, I won't go into this in any depth right now, but my my divine voice speaks a lot about the circles of creation. And they talk about being being a circular, not a linear journey or state or anything that I can put into words right now. And they talk about different circles of creation. And so the fact that you're talking about the yin and the yang making a perfect circle um, actually has great relevance to a lot of what's in the writing, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I won't go into right now, but, um, but I just wanted to. Cool. All right. So, was it what did what I say about the masculine and feminine being our greatest challenge to bring us back together? Did that was that clear? Oh yes, absolutely, definitely. And you can see, I mean, how how you know, sort of um, what, at what a climax that struggle is, even in our own country, but really all over the world. This incredible struggle of the masculine to dominate the feminine almost like I mean it feels to me like and I hope this is what it is and I hope this would be the hopeful part Um, they talk a lot about the human race needing to hit bottom like an addict needs to hit bottom and my hope is that we can understand the need for the union of the masculine and feminine both in the outer world and within ourselves as um, that we can understand the urgent need for that um, and reverse the course of where this extreme division and the violence attached to it is going. So the hopeful part is that we can learn to participate that in ourselves. And one of the things that they say is even if all a person does is work on that reunion in their own being and in their own energies and however that manifests in their particular life, Um, that it's not about the scale on which you operate. It's about the energies that you transform. And if you're bringing that union into your own being, that is service to all of humanity and to the earth. And I love that concept because I think in our ego consciousness, we tend to measure everything as more or less, another great duality. Like I have to do more. I have to have a greater impact. I have to you know, reach more people. And of course that is a desire, um, but it doesn't mean that one person alone in their world working on the light, lighting up their own soul isn't equally a contribution to planetary return. 
And I think that's very hopeful and very loving and very inspiring. Well, that is very inspiring. And you just said light your own soul. Is that what you said? Light, light your, own your own soul, soul or your path? You. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Well, I kind of want to wrap back around to Into the Fire because, you know, we've talked so yeah. much in the other shows about the book one. But I would like to read something that Divine Voice spoke. Um, and and I, I, I'm reminded when you're talking about light your own soul in, in that you in particular and many people as well have I don't want to put it the wrong way, but I was just, I'll say it the way I was going to say it. A problem, speaking your truth or letting your voice be heard because of things that have happened to you or to other people in the past. And it's mm-hmm. like your voice just gets stuck in your throat and you cannot break out, you know, without a lot mm-hmm. of pain and anguish. And mm-hmm. what's great about the writing is the acknowledgement of that and the work that you did personally to make your voice heard. And, of course, you're being heard now on, on this radio show. Through your writing is another way of speaking your truth. And I'd like to acknowledge you for that because this is a brave thing to do. Well, thank you. A very thank brave you. thing to do. So let you're welcome. Let me read what was what was written through divine voice in your book. There is a pattern that is very old in your spirit's path of descent and ascent that has to do with living your truth in secrecy and facing the fear of death and destruction if you were found out or if you spoke out. You are asked to speak out once again for many reasons. Many purposes come together through your voice. And now you see the serpent comes out of your mouth and his eyes are wide open and he speaks for you and through you as you allow it. With your voice, you you redeem the screen. Be as present to the voice as it is possible for you to be. Feel your teacher in the center of your heart. Feel teacher climb into your throat and fill your mouth and exit in the form of the serpent. See your voice as an instrument and use it to be very present inside your temple. Stay inside your temple. The voice you speak will teach you. You are asked to speak. This writing is one level. It is your teacher on paper. There are other teachers. Inside your temple, you are to bow down to them all. Though you do not yet know them, they will make themselves known to you. The serpent will uncoil inside you, and you are not allowed to stop him. My word. <sighs> so, a little teary for me to hear that. Um, so, maybe what I could say about that is that um, principle in there that although there speaking to me there about um, having my voice and overcoming the inner obstacles and fears and hesitations I have had to having my voice. They're really speaking to everyone in the sense that 
our greatest fears, our greatest challenges, and this is this is part of what they talk about um, in many many ways. Our our greatest fears and our greatest challenges are actually what our soul deliberately took on in this lifetime to transform. They're our greatest food. So everything everything that I have done so far and continue to do to face the fear of speaking. Um, and I, and I always want to say this, I, um, although it's a little less now than it used to be for sure, uh, because in the beginning I didn't ever even want to tell anyone that I was doing this writing, let alone share what was in it. Um, it is always a, a, a call from my soul that calls me to have my voice. It's not forcing something of my ego, you know, to like, okay, you know, push yourself. It's really listening to the call from my soul um, because this is what my soul wants to do. And in the process, I, I continually work with whatever my ego's fears or my personality's fears and resistances are. And, and what I like to say about that, because it's true, is that it's very daunting for me as someone who, honestly, I don't consider myself anyone special at all, um, to say that, to say out loud to other people that a divine voice spoke to me. And um, part of the fear of that is that it sounds kind of woo-woo, and I'm not a great lover of whatever is considered woo-woo. <laughs> and I said that to my daughter one day, and she laughed at me, and she said, Mom, if anybody's woo-woo, it's you. <laughs> um, but, but, but really more than anything, um, I feel that the, the great message in this divine voice speaking to me about us as a human race is that the divine is waiting and ready and wanting to reach all of us. It's not, that's not about me. It's like it's there for the average Joe, and I'm the average Joe. And um, what's really beautiful about um, the Road Home series, the, the, all the messages that I receive from this divine voice, is that the path is actually laid out in a very intelligible form. They call it the path of supreme surrender. And um, all of the information about how ego operates is in there. There are meditations for transforming ego consciousness into soul consciousness. There's enormous amount of, edit, of material on how to use our chakras in service of that. Um, there's prayers. Um, like, it's not just a theory. It's not some sort of lovely formula, formulation that they're all one. It's actually a road that they spelled out and continue to spell out. And so um, thank you for reading that. And I just really want to um, expand the meaning of that to include all of us, that our greatest challenges are actually what our soul took on here in this life as for me, Phyllis, and you, Deborah, and everyone else, to transform and to find our way home through those challenges. What I also like is the parts in the book that are so illuminating about seeing teacher in everything. Teacher yeah. is, is available to everyone 
and I'm using teacher with a capital T, right? That you know, um, like you were saying, it's not you got the messages and we didn't. Um, yeah, we're getting to share them through through reading your book, but understanding that teacher is is available. I mean, teacher is is right here in the room where I am, you know, speaking to me through me onto this show, right? And yeah. and I get to yeah. learn every moment of my life just by being aware and open. Yeah. And I can I add to that just a little? Um, yeah. That 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 message came from the very beginning of my writing that you know, I looked at all of life because I feel like we're pretty much taught this as good or bad. I'm either good or bad. You're either good or bad. This is either right or it's wrong. This should be or it shouldn't be. Um, And what I understood from the very beginning was that if I start to look through the lens, um, one of the things that, that is the essence of the path of supreme surrender that they have taught is they say supreme surrender is surrender to what is. And that's all of what is, all of what was, all of what is now inside me, outside me, and all of what will be. And um, if I can step out of the duality of judgment of this is right and this is wrong, this is good and this is bad, and focus on what did my soul want me to learn from what is, that shifts um, my whole, and again, going back to your, your image of hope, that shifts me out of the, the unending battle between good and evil and right and wrong. Um, my focus is on what did my soul come here to learn and what, am I, what does my soul want to do with what I'm learning? Um, does that make sense in terms of what it does. The begin, a beginning it, kind of understanding of teacher? Yeah. It does. And what I think would be great as a segue right now is for you to read mm-hmm. the fire prayer because okay. that's exactly what you're just saying. So the yeah. fire prayer is in the beginning of book two, yeah. which is called Into the Fire. And yes, right. read that and then we can close the show um, with that thought and come back next time and talk some more about whichever book you want to because it's all illuminating the same information and it's just wonderful. So anyway, read the fire prayer. Thank you. Okay, this is the fire prayer. I embody my soul in my eyes, in my words, and in the vibration of my heart. I willingly walk through the fires that are mine and I am not burned. I am transformed. I find ultimate happiness and fulfillment in being the truly faithful servant of all that my soul has given me. That's beautiful. Mm, Thank you. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. The true and faithful servant of all that my soul has given me. I think that is answering the call from soul to be the truly yeah. faithful servant. Yeah. Right? And when you say yeah, absolutely the prayer says and I find ultimate happiness and fulfillment in that. Um 
that goes back to supreme surrender. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all beautifully, you know, of course, it's all a beautiful package that, my goodness, it's going to take us years to unpack this. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But thank you, for, <laughs> thank you for doing the work, for sharing what was shared with you, for being here with me and doing this. And um, I'm glad we were able to start up again um, after our, what, I think it's been eight or nine month hiatus. And, um, right. This is special, and I'm glad that we're, we're back on it, and uh, we'll be back in a month. We've got some uh, holidays and things like that coming up, but it's just um, it's really nice to be back with you again. Yeah, and it's wonderful to be back with you, and I am so grateful for this opportunity to share all that was given to me that I feel is just so loving and so valuable, and as you said, so hopeful. Thank you, Deborah. Yes, yes. Thank you for joining us for Light on the Road Home, a special production by Deborah Brown and Phyllis Leonard. This show has been a production of the Boomer and the Babe Radio Network. You can find more about the Boomer and the Babe at boomerandthebabe.com.